You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Oge Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you know this, but I just want to let you know that Valentine's Day is two days away. If you were not, if you were not feeling the pressure before, start now. Praise the Lord. Today, this month, um, as we would normally do every February in church, we are having a conversation on love, on dating, marriage. And let me say this. There is a way up until now the conversation on love has been had. You know, there are times when we have the conversation on the love of God. You know, and then there are other teachings where we have conversations on love towards your spouse. And we treat the two conversations as though they are different. You see, the truth is this. Our understanding God's love is what dictates our love towards our spouse. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not different. Your love for your spouse is more than an emotional response. Do you know that um, psychologists say that there is no emotion that you can actually hold for more than six months? No emotion. You can't hold any emotion for more than six months at a stretch. Even grief, (laughs) even grief. After six months, whatever you are doing or however you feel is a learned response. Do you know, do you understand what I'm saying? So for instance, someone offended you or he broke your heart and the emotion of heartbreak That feeling that you feel, you won't feel it more than... Some people, and not not everybody gets to six months, but you won't feel it past six months. So that anger you feel the next time you see him after six months or after a couple of months, you know, is actually not connected to the breakup directly. It's a trained response. You've trained your mind to respond that way. Do you get what I'm saying? It's sort of how you hear a song and then you begin to feel nostalgia. It takes you back to a time in your life. Do you understand? Or you smell someone's perfume. Raise your hand if that happens to you. You smell someone's perfume and it takes you back to a time in your life. For instance, someone recently used this body spray, Bodman. How many of you remember Bodman? Raise your hand if you do. It was very common when I was in secondary school. Almost all the cool guys wore Bodman. And I smelt it, and it took me right back to secondary school. Now, in that moment, was I relieving myself? Was I in secondary school? No. My mind had been trained to associate those memories with that smell. Uh So your mind can be trained to associate certain emotions with certain people. So you just see someone and you're angry. There are certain people that you don't like in school. 
or just around you. They've not really done anything to you. It's just before, there's a way they used to behave. And so even when what they are saying makes sense, if you are an objective person, you will say, I know it makes sense, but I don't want to hear what you're saying. Abek. And so learn this. Love is more than an emotion. It's a decision. And the thing about decisions is that they are informed by knowledge. And so when one major reason why the idea of love is adulterated or is corrupted in our society is because, number one, a lot of people rely so much on the emotion. But if you are in a dating relationship or you are married, there is a truth that you will agree with me on. And it is that the day she said yes to you or he asked you to be his, you know, girl, you were beside yourself with joy. Oh my God, this is so nice. And then all the good stuff, you had butterflies in your stomach. Some people had birds because your stomach's... Uh, <laughs> you had butterflies in your stomach. You were so excited. But it's been three months now and you look at him and you just want to slap his face because this boy is very annoying. I love you, but nah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it right now. Is that true? Is that true? How, there are many single people here. Ha. It will change in Jesus' name. You cannot relate. No, but the truth is, after a while, that emotion is no longer what you're feeling. So your relationship with that person will go beyond the feelings you had in the beginning. If you have not been trained with the right information, you will make the wrong decisions. Do you understand? And that's the problem with society. That's the problem with love in our time. A lot of people rely so much on the emotion that when the emotions have waned and you look at this person and you're not really feeling anything in the moment. He's just my guy. She's just my, you know, girl. You know, but I'm not really feeling like I will, I will catch a grenade for you. First of all, why does anybody want to throw a grenade at you? It's a very big red flag. But you're not feeling anything in the moment. In those periods, it's decision. The decisions you made before those periods, the commitments you decided to have, the thoughts that you decided to train, the learned responses that you trained. The problem is, many times the information that makes people or fits people to help them make these decisions come from the wrong places. The information comes from Hollywood, which is better than when it comes from Nollywood. <laughs> Or worse still, it comes from Twitter. <laughs> now, we, we wonder, listen, we wonder why divorce rates are high in our time, why relationships don't last in our time. One of the major reasons is because there's so much information from unreliable sources on love and so many people gobbling up those pieces of information. Are you following what I'm saying? So as a believer, you will first of all go to the cross to learn about love. When I tell a person, I love you, 
What do I mean? When I tell a person I love you, do I just mean that? Do I just mean that I have this feeling for you that when I see you, my heart skips a bit, I my breath stops for like two seconds, and I, oh my god, I'm head over heels in love. When that goes away, do you still love me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Will you love me when you realize that I have a lot of stuff to work on, I'm human and I'm flawed? Is there still love in that moment? You see, if you haven't learned to love the crossway, when you get to that point when you are exposed to the flaws of the one you love, you would run away because your love is primarily selfish. <laughs> but the crossway teaches us to be selfless. Are you getting this? Uh-huh. Anyway, that's not my teaching for today. The purpose of dating and marriage is what I want to talk about. The purpose of dating and marriage. The purpose of dating and marriage. The purpose of dating and marriage. Genesis chapter 2, we'll read from verse 18 to 25. I do have a lot to teach this morning, and I hope I cover it in the time we have. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Can I get this in like the HSB so that it makes for easy reading? Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man. I will make a helper who is like him. Verse, 20, verse 19. So the Lord God formed out of the ground each wild animal and each bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found who was like him. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place, 22. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into the woman and brought her to the man, verse 23. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man, verse 24. For this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. The first reason why man or why relationships exist is companionship. Say companionship. companionship. Say it out loud. Companionship. companionship. Now, in God's design God said it is not for man to be alone and so if God saw the need for companionship we ought to also in this era where we are independent and we feel like we can do bad all by ourselves and we don't need anybody 
Hear the word of the Lord to you. You need companionship. You need somebody. First of all, on a lighter scope, you need friends. And you need to open up to your friends. They need to be there for you. And let me say this to you. If you are the type of person who feels the need to be strong for everyone but nobody there for you, stop it. It's unhealthy. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need friends. Oh, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. It's, come, it's in the job description. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's in the JD. You know how when you go to apply for a job, they tell you, we will expect you to do X, Y, Z. You will work on Saturday. You go do. I mean, you know, go do. You say, I will do. Imagine your boss is now Saturday, and your boss is now like, ah, I don't want to stress you now. So I don't know how you would take it. No, I, when we were employing you, and we asked you how much your salary expectation was, and you opened your big mouth and said, I want 500000 And we agreed. We told you you work on Saturday and you agreed. So here we are, work. When the person signed up to be your friend, it was in the job description that they will bear your burdens. Just like you will bear theirs. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. It's not good for man to be alone. Isolation is the trick of the devil. Yes, sir. It's never a tool that God uses. Do you hear what I'm saying? Isolation is the trick of the devil. It's never a tool that God uses. The devil did not tempt Eve when she was with Adam. Adam was out and about. Then Eve was alone. Then the devil came and said, hi. The devil didn't tempt Jesus in the midst of a multitude. <laughs> Jesus had gone to pray. He was alone. Then the devil came and said, hi. The remaining disciples were not there when Judas was making his treaty with the Pharisees. You know why? Isolation is the trick of the devil. So, God's plan for you as a believer is to have family. Not just biological family, but a family that sticks closer because we are not just bonded by blood, we are bonded by spirits. Do you hear what I'm saying? First and foremost, church is family. No man is an island. It's not just a cool saying, it's God's idea. Praise the Lord. I don't want to be a burden on people. It's devil's temptation to you. The devil is tricking you. Hear me and hear me well. I've not gotten to the relationship part. But I feel the need to say this. Because many of us, we carry so much on our shoulders. But we don't tell anybody. And so, and, 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 let me tell you something about the human mind. The human mind is so naive, it always overestimates what it can do. Always. Have you shocked yourself before? That you just, you just flared up and shouted at somebody. And when you were shouting, everybody was looking at you like, say yes, yes, I deserve to be angry. But when you went back, you're like, ha. Ha. I'm sure I'm okay like this. 
your mind will always overestimate what you can do. The boy tells you, come to the house. You know yourself. You know that if the boy just smile at you like this, you lose all your defenses. But you say, no, 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 no. I can't do it. Ah, I, ah, I'm not an animal that can't control myself now. Then you go there, <laughs> and then one or two things will happen. A few moments later, you start crying. Oh my God. <laughs> so your mind will deceive you that you can handle the pressure alone. Hear the word of the Lord. It's a lie. You can't. Find someone and talk to them. And it's, listen, if we all did friendship the way it needs to be done, who have need for therapists? Do you know? Because those things that we allow accumulate on our hearts and they give us so many problems, so many issues, you would have one or two friends that you will talk to and the ones that will tell you the truth. It's not good for a man to be alone. Hallelujah. And in case you were thinking when God said it's not good he was talking about male species. No. The word that God used for man here is the word he uses for mankind. It's not good for mankind to be alone. Praise the Lord. So what's the first reason for relationships, dating, and marriage? Companionship. We were designed as a species to long for one another. Praise the Lord. Listen, let me tell you something. Must you date? No. But what you, will sh what you shouldn't do is deceive yourself that you don't need a partner. No. You do need a partner. You chose not to have one, which is okay. You have a right to make that choice. But don't lie that you don't need somebody. I can do bad all by myself. You can't. In fact, Paul, the apostle, never got married. And the man said that he would rather that every man and woman, they be like him. Don't marry anybody. Just they do your own thing. He's a single spirit. But, he said, if you cannot hold yourself, go and get married. So, in that statement, Paul acknowledged that even he himself had desires for, one, for another person. Do you understand what I'm saying? And yet he knew to hold himself. Everybody needs somebody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what's the number one reason for dating and relationships? Now, before I leave Genesis chapter 2, a couple of things to note. Number one, when it comes to dating and relationship, seek purpose an assignment before companionship. What did I say? Seek purpose and assignment before companionship. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Could you put it up on the screen please? Then the Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to do what? Come on now look to the screens. To do to do what? Work. And what? Work. So, 
the man had an assignment before he had a partner. Listen, seek purpose and assignment before companionship. There is such a thing as aimlessly coming together. It's true. When the both of you entered into a relationship because it's nice and you like each other, but there was nothing else. The man didn't have where he was going before. The woman didn't have where she was going before. What is going to happen is you will seek to make each other your assignments. Start trying to work on the other person. And you are devoting all of your time to someone else. And that person is devoting all of their time to you. And you will quickly discover something true. No human being is big enough to be the object of all your attention. No human is. Listen, there is a lie the devil tells us. And the lie is that we are extremely valuable. Mm -mm. Let me tell you the truth. Our worth is derived in Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? But outside of Christ, humans, we are nothing. <laughs> when you center your entire life around a man, you will quickly discover he's not big enough to feel it. By man there, I don't mean male species, just one another. You understand what I'm saying, right? You will quickly discover he's not big enough to feel that space. There has to be a sense of purpose. Why am I on earth? I've taught you, know Christ, make him known, number one. Number two, what's my assignment? What am I supposed to be doing with my hands? Notice, God didn't say, it's not good for a man to be alone, let's find him a girlfriend, full stop. God said, it's not good for a man to be, to be alone, let us find him a help meet for him. That is someone who will help in the work he is doing. Do you understand? Yes, so purpose and assignment before companionship. Many times it is on the road to purpose and assignment that you find companionship. This is important because many, if, if, if people knew this, we will have less cases of two people that just met, they were just doing anyhow, then one of them discovered purpose, discovered assignment. Now so they're trying to drag the other person that come now, let's go together now. And then she's saying, when I started dating you, or he's saying, when I started dating you, this is not what we agreed. You didn't agree on anything. You had no future. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So number one, purpose and assignment before companionship. Productivity and work before companionship. Number two, it is better to go back to God and say, of all the samples in front of me, I'm not seeing the one that is my own, than to an animal. When 
Look at, go to verse 19. Verse 18. Oh, verse 18. Okay, verse 18. Quickly, please. Media team, what's going on? Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his complement. Is that correct? Now, after God said this, did God go ahead to take a rib from Adam's body? No. What did he do? Verse 19. Then the Lord God formed Adam's out of Adam, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he all them. Some prospects are a test of your sense of value. Do you hear what I'm saying? God brought the animals to Adam and said, would you call this one helper? Would you call this one help meet? Is this your number one or number two? Talk to me. Is this who you choose? So many times, the prospects that stand before you are a test of your sense of value. They are a test of your sense of purpose. Do you know why this person is standing in front of me? Notice, all these animals came, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. However, he never called any of them help. Stop dating everybody God brings your way. Or entering into a situation with everybody. The person you prayed for helpers. Lord, send me helpers. God sent you a lady to help you. Somehow, you ended this relationship with her. You couldn't identify why God sent to you. There were obvious discrepancies and red flags. Oh, I can't really date someone like this. But no, she's in my life right now. I must start proposing love. Ever since I saw you, I've not been able to remove my eyes. That's a medical condition. <laughs> Some of you, ladies, God sent a man your way as a salvation project. The man needs to be saved. God brought it, or you don't know that God sends people your way to get them saved. You don't know. Did you not realize that the woman at the well, Jesus met her there because that day salvation came to her. Ah, so God sent someone your way for the sake of salvation, but no, I can change him through dating him. <laughs> if it's an animal, call it an animal. And when you have looked at all the animals before you, you turn back to God like Adam did and say, I didn't see anyone that's for me. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, they have not found a help meet for him. You know the way the Bible puts it, you would think somebody else was doing the searching. Who was searching? Adam. So when he says there was not found, who did he find? Adam. He realized, these are not for me. Not everybody is good for you. Amen? Amen. Not everyone is good for you. It is better to go back to God and say, Pops, good morning. So there are all these men that have been coming to my DMs or all these women that I've been seeing and I've been thinking, okay, maybe I should slide 
into this one's DMs. But upon further inspection, I realized none of them is good for me. Please provide someone. It's better to do that than to just say, you know what, make hay while the sun shines. Uh, so I will just pick. Uh, you know, there's a way... Kai, <laughs> our minds are very interesting. There's a way your mind can come up with a string of wise sayings to make you do the wrong thing. Say, bird in hand is worth two in the bush. The devil you know is better than the angel you don't know. By the time you said those three things to yourself, you say, ah, I must have sense. I must, take, I must seize this opportunity while it is in front of me. And then your, your, you know your, your heart has a voice. Your brain also has a voice. So all those lies make hey wow. It was your heart that was lying to you. You know there's a way, the voice of the heart is also the voice of the flesh. There's a way your body can make you think that if I don't do this thing now, I'm dying. Ha! If I don't eat now, I will die. Deep down, you know it's not true. Your brain is telling you, you know, you can go further. Your body is saying, no, I'm dying. If I don't, if I don't buy this bag this month, I'll die. <laughs> You've been surviving with that without that wig or without that bag or gown or car for a very long time. Nothing happened to you. Small money entered your account. Then your heart begins to hear. Now, your brain is telling you, you have never bill to pay. Your brain is telling you, you will not have transport, to, you will not see food to eat. You say, ah, no. If I don't buy this wig now, I don't know. Then you will not start giving yourself valid reasons why you need to buy this wig. I know it's expensive, but think of what it will do to image, my public appearance. They play. <laughs> It's the same thing we do. There's a guy standing in front of you. There's a girl standing in front of you. Your brain is telling you, she is not it. He is not it. But no, your heart is telling you that, ah, no. After this guy goes now, when will you see another person that's fine like this? At least, and then your brain will not tell you something like, at least his flaws we can work on. The beauty is either you have it or you don't. Listen. Some of the prospects in front of you are a test of your sense of value and purpose. They are not for you to date. If God sends you a helper, that is financially, the person that is meant to give you a job, you have gone to date the person. The, the situation ended wrongly. Now, you don't even know how to ask the person for the job again. Then you're not crying to God that, God, I'm unemployed, I'm unemployed. God sends someone to employ you, and you dated the person. <laughs> don't settle for an animal. And by animal here, I don't mean somebody that is wrong. I'm using animal as colloquial expression for the wrong person. You know, somebody might be good generally and be wrong for you. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Don't say so. Pastor, there's this girl I'm seeing. 
She's a Muslim. I'm a Christian. But she's very well. Which one, which, where will your children go to? Mosque or church? Ever thought about that before? I know what I'm saying now makes me sound somehow. You're bringing divisions based on religion, based on this one. Let me tell you something. Those divisions exist. And sometimes they are necessary. Paul said that I heard that some people are stopping from some other people because of um, their divisions amongst you. And Paul said it is good that those divisions exist so we can know who is saying the truth. We live in a society where there's objective um, wrong and there's objective rights. There has to be divisions. Because somebody has to be object objectively right and someone else will be objectively wrong. Does that make sense? So not everyone, stop being so desperate. Desperation impedes discernment. I know he's AS and I'm also AS, but we serve a God of miracles. Let me tell you ahead of time now what my answer is. Pastor, I'm AS and he's AS. Do you think we should go on together? No. I don't think so. Oh, but we love each other. Yeah, you can love someone else. Because if you do give birth to someone who um, battles with sickle cell, the amount of pressure that will mount on your marriage will be, it's enough to break it. People don't understand these things. It's enough to break the marriage. It's enough. So, be more specific and be more careful when you partner. Hallelujah. Number two purpose for dating and, and marriage. It's just the two things I want to talk about. Let's read a couple of scriptures then I'll, I'll tell you what it says. Luke chapter 13 verse 6 to 9. Are you learning something this morning? Luke chapter 13 verse 6 to 9. It says, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. And he told the vineyard worker or the vineyard worker, listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? But he replied to him, sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Verse 9. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year. But if not, you can cut it down. The next portion of scripture I want us to read is Matthew 21, 18 to 19. Please note that Luke chapter 13 that we just read. What we just read was a parable of Jesus. And most times, Jesus' parables illustrate either the Father's character or the expectations of the kingdom. Does that make sense? All right, Matthew 21. Early in the morning, as he was returning to the city, he was hungry. Verse 19. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, may no fruit ever come from you again. And at once the fig tree withered. Is that all? Yes. And at once the fig tree withered. First of all, why, so why did Jesus curse the fig tree? I want to do a very quick Bible study. Very quick. I want to just 
Skip through. So please stay with me. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Because ideally, when you see a fig tree that has leaves, it should have fruits. The leaves and the fruits grow at the same time. So it was a barren fig tree. Jesus cursed this fig tree because it was barren. Are you with me? Are you with me? Why exactly did he curse it? What Jesus did was a foreshadowing. So like types and shadows, it was a, it was, give me a word. You know what I'm trying to say? English is hard, you guys. It was symbolic, thank you. It was symbolic of something that was to happen. All right, and it's this. In, in the Old Testament, the fig tree was usually used to denote the people of Israel. All right, you can find an example, and I think it's Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. Hosea chapter 9, verse 10. I'm, I'm just skipping through this. I want, to, I want to make a point. It says, I discovered Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers first like the first fruit of what? Of the fig tree in its first season. And this is not the only place. You have um, an expression in Joel chapter 2. There's another one in the book of Jeremiah. It's scattered. In the Old Testament, the fig tree was usually indicative or used as a representation, as a symbol for the people of Israel. And so what Jesus was doing was when he saw the barren fig tree, he was cursing the unfruitfulness of the children of Israel. How that the gospel would come to them and they would reject it and by so doing wouldn't bear any fruit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Trust me, there is a longer explanation. I've just skipped through a lot of things. All right, so what Jesus cursed in the fig tree was the unfruitfulness of the fig tree. The fact that it did not bear fruit. The same thing with the fig tree that we read in the parable where the owner of the vineyard comes out and he wants to take fruit from the fig tree. There are leaves on the fig tree, but there is no fruit. They've pruned it, but it's not growing. And so he says, cut it off and throw it away. In fact, in Bible theology, there is a concept called reprobacy. All right, I taught this at the last Liberty Bible course, did I? Yeah, so there is a concept called reprobacy. And it's the concept of my spirit will not always strive with man. The number of his years will be 120 years. What does this mean? Always try to convince man to be fruitful and to live towards me. After a while, God always stops convincing. That's the way God is. With Pharaoh, he would convince Pharaoh by sending Moses, first of all, to talk to him. Pharaoh would disagree. Then he would try to convince Pharaoh by 10 different plagues that prove his superiority is of it. Are you with me? But what will happen, praise the Lord, what will eventually happen is that after the plagues, after all the trials to convince, God will say, I will not strive again. With man, he would send Noah for, I think, 120 years to try to convince man of a coming wrath, of his coming wrath. But after 120 years, he will stop convincing. So like in the parable of the fig tree, every year for three years, it's coming, it's their fruit, it's their fruit, it's their fruit. And the fig tree is bearing no fruit. And after a while, he will say to the vineyard worker, cut it off. Because it is wasting soil. Are you with me? 
So why did Jesus curse the fig tree? It was unfruitful. And barrenness is against the nature of God. God abhors unfruitfulness. He hates it. So let me tell you this. The relationships that he gave to you are supposed to be fruitful. Do you hear what I'm saying? The relationships he gave to you are supposed to be what? Fruitful. Now, notice, when God created man in Genesis chapter 1, even before he had formed the woman, he gave man an instruction. He said, be fruitful and multiply. There are only two times in scripture that we have a general mandate from God towards man. Twice. The first is in Genesis chapter 1. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and have dominion. The second is in Matthew, Mark or Luke. What we great commission and these signs shall follow them go into the world preach the gospel to every nation baptizing everyone and making disciples out of them in the name of the father and of the son and of the spirit the two instructions are the same you see where in the old testament be fruitful and multiply looked like many children is that correct by the time we come into the New Testament, we would realize that the children we are to birth are people that have been saved. In Me? Yes, so, the believer's multiplication or dominion mandate is on saving the unsaved. Let me tell you something that you don't know. God expects your relationship with your partner to be fruitful and multiply your relationship with your partner must be lived towards God there is something the devil successfully did cunningly and it is this many times when we think of performing spiritual activities we don't many times first of all think of our partners when the Bible said where two or three agree as touching a thing, it will be done unto them. Matthew chapter 18. When, when Jesus was saying that, we know that scripture and many times we want someone to pray with us. And many times the first person we think of is not the person we are dating. It's not right. When you learn that God expects fruitfulness from your relationship. God expects fruitfulness. Listen, hear me. Because it is in God's nature to prune or even discard what is not fruitful. So God expects fruitfulness from that relationship. From your dating, from your marriage, he expects fruitfulness. And fruitfulness here is not about biological babies. No. How the gospel? How has your relationship acted the gospel? Are the people that are saved because the two of you came together to get them saved? If one will chase a thousand, 
and two, 10,000? Are the two of you actively chasing 10,000? Or are you sitting at home and all you care about is loving up on each other? Hear me. In the design of dating and marriage is purpose. If purpose is absent, there will be Do you hear what I'm saying? If purpose is absent, there would be a gaping hole in that relationship. And what that means is, for some reason, there'll be something missing, a search for fulfillment in the relationship that will never be actualized. You will keep wondering why you don't feel fulfilled. You will keep wondering why it just feels empty. And it feels like you guys are not making any progress. Even if you are not fighting with one another, there is a, there is a, there is a place for purpose. And that purpose has not been pursued. And your one chief purpose in life is to know Christ and make him known. Yes, sir. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Is to know Christ and make him known. Your purpose is not to become a musician. God is not going to ask you, I gave you the talents to sing music. Did you sing music? When you were younger, or growing as a Christian, not necessarily young, but as a growing Christian, and you were taught that your purpose is about your talents, and to fulfill purpose, you must explore your talents to the fullest. Raise your hand if you had questions on People who are using their talents but not to the glory of God. Raise your hand if you had questions around that. And if those people are fulfilling purpose. My purpose or my talent is that I'm an exceptional speaker. You know what? Or I'm a great author. So I use my talent to write a book that God is not alive. There is no God. Do you think I fulfill purpose? Do you? So there is something here. Talent is not purpose. It's not. It's not. Like I would always say, some talents are geographical in nature. Because you've never been in an environment that triggers the talents, you don't know you have it. Do you ever see, do you ever see some people do some things? And your first question is, how did you know that you can do this thing? Like, for instance, you see someone make art out of... There was one I saw this morning. So the guy makes art out of fabric. You know this, you know this fabric they used to make veils, wedding veils? This net-like fabric. He makes art out of the fabric. He will iron some parts, squeeze some parts. Then when you look at it from a distance, it's somebody's face. And my first thought was, what led you to this... Where are you ironing? <laughs> and then you were like, wait... And this LeBron James face now. <laughs> what led you to discover this? Some talent you have, you would never discover because nobody has helped you find it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you may be excellent at surfing or skiing. But you wouldn't know. Do you know why you wouldn't know? <laughs> We don't surf or ski <laughs> in Buhari's Nigeria. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? So talent is not purpose. Some talents are useless. Some, some, some talents are useless. 
the last time I was having this conversation, I asked this question, so let me ask it again. Raise your hand if as a boy in secondary school, you know that thing we used to do with books, that you can spin it. You were very good at it. Raise your hand above your head. Above your head, do it with pride. Do it with pride now. Uh -uh, hello. Thank you. Thank you. Raise your hand. You could spin book very well. Very fast, too. What's the usefulness of that talent? <laughs> and then, also, have you noticed that when the conversation on purpose and talent is had, we only go for the prestigious talents. You can sing, you can act, you can speak. What if my talent is something that isn't so prestigious? What? Sleeping. Some of you have a talent for sleep. My God. Ha! You know, when we were in secondary school, I was, I was the assistant house captain in my, in my house. The house captain wasn't very functional, so I did the work. So I would wake up early in the morning. It was my duty to go around, wake everybody up for morning devotion. I went to a Christian school. So we'd all gather in the common room for morning devotion at 5 a.m. So you have teenagers, 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, gathering in the common room, 5 a.m. for morning devotion. Now, the common room didn't have seats. All right. The common room was a room that was, let's say, as big as this room is, or maybe slightly smaller. And all the common room had was like a slab from that end to that end and like that. They usually left this place open because this is where the doors were. And then the slab was for ironing. It was an ironing slab, a slab with sockets, right? So there were no seats. Now, if you come early, you find a space on the slab. But note, we are many people in the hostels, right? So we are like 200, 150 students. Not everybody will find a space on the slab. So on many mornings, there were people who would come for morning devotion and we are singing our hearts out to the Lord and they are sleeping like this. That's the talent, let me tell you. That you can sleep while standing. Major talent, I'm telling you. It's useless. Because it's not impacting any other person's life. But it's a talent. So that's your purpose in life. To sleep while standing. Do you know that when you get to heaven, God is not going to question you about your talent? That I put in you the ability to sing. Did you sing? The only thing God will do is this. He will ask you about Jesus Christ. He will ask you about his son. He was in your life. What exactly did you do with him? Alright, so I gave you opportunities. I gave you fame. What did you use that fame for? I put in you the ability to sing and that brought you some fame. People know you because you are a great singer. Did you use your fame? Was it fruitful? Fruitfulness before God is not measured by how many records you sold. Do you know? <laughs> Fruitfulness before God is not measured by how much money you made. Again, do you know? Fruitfulness before God is measured in terms of souls. Are you fruitful? Is your dating relationship fruitful? 
Are you guys actually God-minded? Enough of all this dating just because I feel like I want to date. You learnt it. Your life is not your own. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, the answer is shocking me. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Great. Your life is not yours. You were bought with a price. And the person you are dating was also bought with a price. Guess what? It's the same person that bought the both of you. So, you are not going to be individually submitted to God, but collectively rebellious to him. You will be submitted as individuals and as a couple. There must be fruitfulness. Why am I saying this? For those of you who are yet to get into dating relationships, your criteria for... Your criteria for dating, your spec, you're open your game now. Because we are satisfied with he prays, she prays, she goes to church, he goes to church. We're satisfied with that. Or maybe he doesn't go to church physically, but he tunes in online. I've, I've, I've seen him tune in online and every now and again he shares NSPPD um, prayer link. So you must be a good Christian. Let me tell you something. Your judgment of good Christian is not they go to church. People go to church for different reasons. Do you hear what I'm saying? So he prays. He goes to church. Some people go to church for a sense of gratification. So I'm good. Let's know, do you actually serve God? Do you, do you love God? Do you love God's people? Do you serve in church? Are you, are you, are you devoted? When we were drawing up the... Um, so in church, in Circle Church we have... It's not a constitution, that's a very heavy word. But it's sort of like a, a framework that guides how we choose who is going to be a pastor, who is going to be a leader in circles. And when I was writing it up, because I hand wrote most of it, all of it actually. And when I was writing it, I was writing for, I think, pastors. And the Holy Spirit said, write the person must be a tither. And I said, God, some people don't tithe because of condition. And then God told me, he said this. He said, your money is a direct measure of value. It is. How expensive a thing is tells you how valuable that thing is. Does that make sense? Right? Yes, sir. Your money is a direct measure of value. It's a measure of your hard work, a measure of your value system. If you value a thing, you will put money into it. Yes, Amen. Amen? If you buy a car, and you love the car. You put money into it. Is that true? Yes, sir. Nobody will tell you. You are driving. You just hear one sound. You say, ah, no. This car needs to go for servicing next week. And when you are saying this car needs to go for servicing, you know it may cost you 50K, 60K, 70K by the end of that servicing. Because mechanics never stop where you ask them to stop. <laughs> they never stop there. So it may cost me so much money, but I'm willing to spend the money for something I value. So the Holy Spirit told me, if the person 
always, every time, has an excuse why they are not giving. They don't value the work of God. Listen, it may sound harsh, but I found it to be true. I found it to be true. So, there are other things for you to look out for when you are measuring how Christian a person is to date the person. Many things to look out for. Many things. Some people... Some people are only serving so that they can be noticed and be given leadership position. What they really value is the leadership position. I don't, I don't believe we have that in this church because I believe everyone that serves, serves wholeheartedly. I've seen your sacrifices and I appreciate it. But one time, a young man came to this church and then we were still at Suruleri Film House. No, this was at Film House. Suruleri, Leisure Mall. And after the meeting, he came to meet me. Your choir is tight. Your choir is this. I would like to join the choir. And I said, okay, great. You will go to an audition. Never came again. <laughs> Never came again. Because, well, backstories, I used to know him in school. And he used to be a top shot in the choir in school then. I don't care. I don't even care whether you can sing better than the people on the choir right now. If you come they will audition you. <laughs> then the choir head will apportion assignment to you. Okay, you are backing up. Okay, you are doing... If you can't submit to authority, you can't lead with us, you can't sing with us. But his whole thing was join the choir and immediately rise to leadership MD, Crested Worship. But that's what a lot of people want. So, honestly, before you go saying... She is in the choir, or he is doing this. Actually, look closely. Where is this person's purpose? So, this person loves God. This person claims to love God, and many people do. But many of us have not learned what it means to love God and how to express that love that we have for God. When you pray, what's in this person's prayer time? Power, 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 power. When will you stop and pray for Nigeria? When will you pray for souls? When will you pray for people who are perishing? Do you ever think of people and say, I need to... I, what, do you evangelize? Now, I'm saying this, and many of you are measuring your own selves of the heart. Me, I don't used to evangelize. Please go and start. You're not fruitful. There are two levels that God judges fruitfulness on. There is the level of the fruitfulness of the work of the Spirit in your life. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness. It says against such there is no law. That is one level of fruitfulness. And the truth is many of us excel on that level. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, remember I told you our purpose is to know Christ and make him known. That first level of fruitfulness is the to know Christ part. The second level of fruitfulness where many of us are lacking is to make him known. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Say my relationship. my relationship. Say it out loud. Even if you are not in one. My relationship, my relationship. Will, be a vehicle will be a vehicle for the gospel. For the gospel. 
my relationship will be a vehicle for the gospel. I know a couple, lovely people, God bless their hearts. I know a couple that every now and again, they will set up some of their colleagues. They will invite you over to the house, cook for you. They will make you feel at home, then preach while you are eating. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it has worked for them, for many people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you, listen, learn to see the depravity of man as a cry for help. Some of those, your friends, that you have written off, that you are always saying, this person is extremely terrible, this person is extremely bad, learn to see their badness as a cry for help and reach out. Come down from your high horse. Reach out. Reach out. We are so quick to judge, so quick to cast away, so quick to label, and, and we are doing all of that at the expense of fruitfulness. So you have, you have someone who is probably in, um, given to an addiction. Maybe the person smokes or the person is addicted to substances, and you are so quick to dismiss such people. But many times, there is a deep longing in their hearts that led them to the substance in the first place. And that, that longing has not been filled. It has not been satisfied. When will you get up and say, can we talk? How are you? Let me be your friend. It's not every time in your relationship you're arguing about, ah, why did you like that person's picture on Instagram? Ah, how could you have looked at that boy that way? Ah, and you went... Sometimes, have you noticed this person? Have you noticed that they've been quiet in church? Reach out. Together as a couple, you will decide, okay, no, you, you're going to talk to her. You're a lady, she may, she may be more open to you. As a couple, reach out. Pray for people together. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? Be fruitful in your relationship. Have a prayer list. Listen. You may not be able to do the whole pray together every day thing. Because I've noticed it's very hard actually. But at least every now and again, come together for the purpose of praying for people. You hear someone else's gist, you turn to your partner and say, can we pray for this person? We need, this person needs help. Amen. Amen. Can we do better? Yes, Have you learned something this morning? Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we as a church and as a people always live in light of purpose. Say loud amen. amen. Say loud amen. amen. May our relationships be fruitful. Amen. Say loud amen. amen. May our relationships be fruitful amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. May we not make the wrong choices. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Did you learn something this morning? Praise the Lord. Please, I would have 
every one of you be more intentional about picking a partner. Be more intentional. Praise the Lord. Let's be more intentional. Let's, let's pay more attention to, to the choices we are making. See, when the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. And you can abuse relationships. In fact, for the longest time, we have. We have. Praise the Lord. I package your offerings. Let's wrap service up. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.